Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I don't know what it's going to sound like, but here we go. <laughs> Ego. <laughs> There's a message inside. There's a voice that lay in a song. There's a reason I try to ignore its word and withdraw. Take time to pause. Reason the cause. Listen for what I should do. Space, I don't know. Chances to grow. Found when I look beyond you. Melting Pot, a global podcast series hosted by Pyle, connects guests who have inspiring stories and reaches out to a multicultural audience over 52 countries. Guests are diverse, such as celebrities, entrepreneurs, travelers, and many more who've had a turning point in their lives and moved over to a holistic lifestyle. Follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, social media. Hi, everyone. Today, I am in conversation with the supremely talented Sarah Elizabeth Charles. Sarah is a musician. She is known as a jazz vocalist and a composer, and she's released four very, very critically acclaimed albums with her band Scope, and this is between 2012 and today. And she's also an educator. And I have to add here, before I start talking to you, Sarah, that I had the absolute privilege of being a part of a concert, your concert rather, at the iconic Smithsonian African American Museum. And I have to be very, and I'm being extremely honest, I was so mesmerized by your beautiful voice. And I think your stage performance was incredible. And what was interesting was that it was so so intimate the whole setting that you felt so close to the audience and I love the way you communicate and you talk and your whole body language other than your voice is absolutely incredible so I'm really really excited that we're going to have this conversation today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know you've been asked this question probably like a million times, and I'm going to add to that. What inspired you to a career in music? Mm. You know, when you ask that question, or when anyone asks that question, I always have 
a slightly different answer depending on what what I'm you know moving through or where I'm at at any given time. What comes up this morning for me is that you know my my family and their support inspired me to have a career in music. Music was always something that I that resonated with me that I felt drawn and pulled toward from a really young age. I would you know sing often and there was a lot of singing in my family's house, especially with my grandmother on my mother's side, my maternal grandmother. And she also had a piano at her house. My grandfather played the accordion. So holidays and weekends and evenings were like, we're always filled with a lot of music. And my father is originally from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And, you know, we'd all also listen to a lot of compa and rara and different styles, like any, all of the new music coming out of Haiti, my uncle would sort of send our way. And so we would we would always be listening to to that music too, and dancing, and then listening to the radio and what was that, whatever was current. So I remember being surrounded by music from a really young age, and wanting to take piano lessons, wanting to sing in the choir at church, wanting to take voice lessons as I got a little bit older. But it wasn't until I was a teenager and looking at what what to do essentially next after after high school, after my high school time that. I really felt encouraged or like a, a career in music would be possible. I applied early decision to Fordham to Fordham University with the intention to study pre-law and go to law school. And when I when I decided to do that, I did it. You know, I I went through the whole process. My parents sat me down after I sent my application in and said, "You know, you can always be a lawyer. You can always go back to law school." why don't you try music first? <laughs> wow, which is which is very rare because normally parents yeah. would have a very different point of view and say that, you know, are you sure? Will you be able to be successful if you're creative and in music? You, you need to have something that holds you and something that is secure, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed that your parents actually said that to you and suggested they, they clearly saw the talent in you. Yeah, I think I think that they, you know, they're very logical and practical people, but they, they also are people of faith for sure. And I think that they, and actually the practicality almost came out in, in that suggestion. Like you can always go to law school. And the, the idea that kind of stood out to me, and I don't remember if they said it explicitly or if it's something that I've incorporated into the memory of the conversation after the fact, but I I feel like it makes so much sense. It would have been so much harder for me to have gone to law school and then decided, okay, I'm going to do music and I'm going to leave this than to do the reverse. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, what I'm so grateful for, in addition to just being supportive, you know, that that moment was one moment, but there were so many moments leading up to that moment where they, they showed their support for me and for my musical development and unfolding that helped to meet me and them to get to that point where they really just said, I think you should really, you should go for this and you should try it. And I think in our society, we put so much emphasis and focus and pressure on young people at, you know, age of 18, your brain isn't even fully developed yet you know, to, to really figure out, okay, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And we don't leave space for exploration, for inner exploration, for outer exploration yeah. <laughs> as much. And I'm so grateful that I, I come from two people, my mother and my father, who without even maybe realizing it really kind of built their parenting foundation on that kind of 
support and motivation and, and encouragement. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And it's very encouraging to hear. And I, and I hope there are more and more parents like yours who understand the ability or the talent and who give, who encourage opportunities like these. So why jazz? Because that is clearly your your musical style. And that's the, the, the genre of music that you excel in. And that's your career. So why jazz? And how did that come about? Yeah, you know, that word is so is so complicated or can be so complicated and the music and the tradition and the lineage is so beautiful. Jazz and Black American music is something that is a huge part of my foundation as a creative person. And I also grew up listening to all, all sorts of other styles of music and being influenced and impacted by all sorts of styles of music. And so, you know, if you asked, if you asked someone, is Sarah Elizabeth Charles a jazz vocalist? I think that you would get different answers. <laughs> oh, you asked, you know, I know, I know the repertoire. I, you know, I know hundreds of standards and have studied the music and the music that I write, the music that I'm a part of the band, the other bands that I'm a part of, in addition to my own, the styles are, are very, very, can like be very broad <laughs> and wide ranging while being embedded in the foundation of jazz and improvisation. My music, you know, they recently the Grammys came out with another category or a couple, m multiple other categories, one of which is called alternative jazz. There's an alternative, alternative jazz category. Jazz. Oh, <laughs> and, that's interesting. Yeah. And I think that's to be juxtaposed with like the more traditional jazz that oftentimes yeah. gets recognized by the Academy. And it's really important. You know, there've been meetings where people are talking about this. I've been a part of a few of them with the, you know, with the Academy and it's really with the Academy, I'm calling it as if it's the Oscars or something with the, with the Grammy Foundation. Sorry, there you, there you go. And it's it's been really interesting to see like, okay, there are a lot of artists who grew up in the 80s, 90s, you know, early 2000s, and et cetera, who have been influenced by so many other styles of music in addition to their found the foundation of their creative space being embedded in the tradition of jazz and Black American music. And therefore, the baby that's born <laughs> of that process, the baby that's born of that experience and those artists is something new, you know? And so I, I have so much gratitude for the tradition and the lineage of this music. And I'm an original music musician, creative artist. <laughs> so I, you know, I think that what I saw in the music early on, I, I discovered jazz through teachers at the community music school where, where I grew up in my hometown of Springfield, Massachusetts. And when I first heard the music, it just felt so free. And up until that point, I'd been playing classical piano. I had been singing a lot of classical repertoire in choirs, singing folk music in church. And when I heard jazz, it just felt like the expression was totally different than anything I had ever experienced before. And in those early days, you know, I was listening to Lester Young, I was listening to Charles Mingus, I was listening to Billie Holiday, I was listening to a lot of Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, you know, a lot of these really iconic jazz and Black American music musicians who just felt so open and free to express however they needed to and in whatever sonic space felt 
the most natural. And I wouldn't have articulated it, articulated it this way at the age of 12 but, or 11, but I really think that I saw possibility in that while at the same time being a type A Capricorn. And I also saw like how challenging, I was like, wow, this sounds really hard. <laughs> like, I wanna do that, you know, I wanna be able to do that. And I had some really great, really tough teachers early on. Vishnu Wood was a great teacher of mine, bass player out of Detroit, Michigan where I currently am, not Detroit, but I'm in Michigan. Mia Scheider, an amazing musician, vocalist, who was based in Springfield, Massachusetts, and was my teacher, my private teacher for a very long time. These people were, they pushed me. They didn't let me settle. And that also, I think, that challenge also is something that from just remembering my former, or not my former self, but my my more, my younger self, You're that was something that attracted. You were kind of developing and yeah. getting into into the music. So yeah. what is your creative process? Because you write original music as well, right? Original scores. Um, so mm-hmm. what is your process? My process, it's very contingent upon inspiration <laughs> and waves, I would say waves of inspiration. So I'm not I'm not a songwriter or a composer who writes every day. I really wish I could say that I was. I still wish that I could say that I was, even though at some point in my life, I'll probably just have to accept you know, what, what feels the most natural, or maybe I will become, become that or be, develop a different kind of practice. But I, I really, I feel each of the, I'm, I'm adopting this new, this new terminology that I heard from the director of Joe's Pub in New York City. We're working on actually a couple. I, you did share the YouTube oh. with me, and I did listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, so the the director there, Alex Milton, is becoming a good friend and a close close collaborator. And I'm doing more. I'm going to be doing more with the pub in the upcoming year. And um, he described one of my most recent projects that hasn't been released yet but I've performed a couple of times, not the project that you saw, but something else. It's a project, the song cycle that I set to Maya Angelou's poetry. And he described it as exactly that, a song cycle. And I realized, I was like, wow, that's, that's how I write that, that term song cycle really embodies my creative process because it really is kind of this cycle of like, okay, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And then I get to it and and I'm like doing it. And it's maybe weeks or a couple of months of just like churning, churning, churning. And maybe it take a little bit of time. And then I go back and I rewrite and maybe something else new comes out. And there's like a period of time. There's been a period of time for each of my song cycles, each of my records, essentially, what have been my records thus far, that I'm just writing. And that's, you know, six months to a year. And I'm writing and I'm rewriting and we're performing the material and learning more about it. That's a big part of my creative process, too, is writing things and then getting them to a point where it's like, okay, we can perform this. It's not done, but we can perform it to learn more about it (laughs) so that the music can tell us more about it. And so we'll rehearse, perform, see what worked, see what didn't, they'll go back to the drawing board, you know? So it's a lot of, it's a lot of like these waves of creative energy, of inspiration, coupled with exploration with other folks, my band, uh, other collaborators, and really letting the big component at this point that I will share with my students often too is really letting the music tell me what what it needs. 
that's something, you know, I've, I have the original, uh, my original band is John Davis, who you saw on drums. Yeah. Jesse Elder, who was a for, the former keyboardist and the keyboardist for a very long time and pianist in my band. For this most recent record, I've used Jesse Fisher, but Jesse Elder is the original, uh, the original pianist. He's a phenomenal composer himself and musician in person. Bernice Earl Travis was the bassist and Jordan Peters in recent years, who was on guitar at the Smithsonian, was the guitarist. And all of these people helped me to cultivate this environment of exploration and in, in information <laughs> too. It's like, okay, how can we delve into the music and see what it's telling us and gather that information and then make adjustments accordingly or play, play it accordingly. So even though those songs come from me, there's so much energy, uh, external energy that then gets put into crafting what the songs end up being so um, do on you, the other end. Do you compose as well? When you ask that, what do you... I mean, you, in, in terms of, so you, you write the music and then mm -hmm. in terms of the composition, in terms of, you know, the music music, not the lyrics, but the music. Oh, yeah. The, so the the har their harmony and the, the all harmony, of that. Sorry, yeah, the terminology. Yeah, yeah. I am not. Yeah, no, I'm it's not okay. With yeah, but yeah. You, you know, I always it's so funny. The answer is yes, and I always <laughs> you know I call myself these days a songwriter more than I do a composer. It's so funny because do I consider myself to be a composer? Yes. Does composer sort of feel like this like pedestal? term versus like songwriter that feels a little more like gritty or <laughs> more like DIY, you know? Yes. So it's sort of, it's such a funny, it's like, but what is the actual difference between composer and songwriter? Like, which isn't is a why, songwriter? I guess you, which is why you kind of paused for a second. <laughs> right. But so now, yeah. I, yeah. No. And yeah. I write, I write at the piano. I'm not a great pianist, but that's my, that's my composition. When I write harmony, that's, that's how I write harmony is playing for myself and and then I write the lyrics and the, the melody with my you know with my other instrument my voice and my spirit all of it you know involves my spirit obviously <laughs> but um yeah yeah but I yeah that's always been interesting to me this is like or has always been interesting and also recently I'm, I've been thinking more about I'm like what is the real difference between those two and I think people will, would have real answers to that question that are that are perhaps very valid but I consider myself to be to be both <laughs> and an arranger and, an arranger, yeah. and a producer <laughs> okay um, you did yeah. you mentioned even at the at the concert that you for the longest did not have a guitarist on your band because or in your band because you did not like guitar as an instrument and I'm curious to know <laughs> why is it that you do not? And, you know, and and so therefore, what is your favorite instrument? Yeah, that you I, have to, I, have, I have to clarify this pile because it's not that I don't like guitar as an instrument. Guitar is a beautiful instrument. I had not yet found someone or heard someone really in my community who I could hear in my band who played guitar. Okay. So it was really that. It was that I hadn't come across someone that I felt or felt, yeah, felt inspired to write for or to to hear like, okay, what would you, what would you sound like on my music until I met Jordan? And so when I met, it's not that I don't <laughs> 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 and I think 
I think I, I think probably I... misunderstood what you said. No, um, no. <laughs> yeah. no, and I think I could have said something. I, I think I, I made a joke that maybe is not a funny joke and I need to stop making and said, <laughs> you know, I, I don't love jazz. I don't always love jazz guitar. And that's, a, that's kind of like a not, that's a very not fair and not true um, joke because there are so many guitarists who I, who I respect and admire so much who play who play this music who play their own original music who are brilliant and I think that it's very different to to really to kind of be a fan of someone and respect what they do and even to be inspired by them and to have some it's very different to have those feelings about someone and to have that person to feel like you want that person to play your music or you can imagine that person or hear that person playing your music is, is probably the best way to say it those are two very, very disparate things yeah. for yeah. me. And they they coexist. And so there are so many guitarists who I love. And I won't start mentioning names now because I feel like this is a controversy. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop. I need to change how I'm sharing this at shows because <laughs> it's, not, it's not true. And I don't like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jordan's, Jordan's, what he brings is for me, for me is just this, this sensitivity, this similar to, to all the members of my band, to, to John, to Bernice, to Jesse Elder, to Jesse Fisher, they all hear the music as orchestrators and they all play the music as orchestrators. So it's not, nothing is arbitrary. Nothing is like, Ooh, let me do this cool thing. Now it's not about ego. It's about the sound and it's about the song and it's about the music <laughs> first and foremost. And we played a recent show in Sag Harbor at the Hamptons Jazz Fest last week. And I was I was sharing this with the audience and I realized, I was like, oh, wow, it really, the music is able to get to that next level when the ego takes a backseat, when the unhealthy ego is, takes a backseat as opposed to that ego being the guiding force. It, it's different for everybody's, for everybody's bandstand, for everybody's band or ensemble, I can imagine. But for me, when that is the, when that's happening, when that unhealthy ego takes a back seat and we're able to just listen to each other as we, as we often are these days, because we've really been gelling in a really beautiful way, then the music can get to this next level. Um, and the communication to the audience can get to the next level and can be deeper in my experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's important to have that synergy so that you're able to, you know, what, then what the expression becomes one of being together and then the performance also enhances it. So, no, I completely understand that. Um, I wanted to ask you, are there any social issues that you're so passionate about that they then influence your music? Because you have, I know family has been a very integral part of who you are as a musician. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, 
and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. But are there any social causes that you feel passionate about and, and then they also, it or if it's multiple social causes, inspire you when it comes to your music? Absolutely. You know, I think that being a multiracial woman, having grown up, you know, where I did and how I did, you know, we were the only Haitian French Canadian family <laughs> anywhere from what I could see in my hometown of Springfield, Massachusetts. It was, it was very, very Irish, Catholic, Puerto Rican area when I was growing up. And so there was always kind of, I don't know, this hyper awareness that I had of of culturally feeling different than others, therefore also trying to assimilate. There was also a, an African-American population where I grew up and everybody, these communities were very segregated. They lived very separately from each other. And it wasn't until I was in junior high around you know, age 12, 13, that I met a few friends who were also products of multiracial relationships. And up until that point, just kind of feeling like, ooh, where do I fit? Where do I belong? And, you know, there's this, there's this term now in, in, in our society called code switching. I was a master code switcher when I was younger, when I was growing up. I had so many, and I don't see that as actually a negative, <laughs> a negative term, because for me as a kid, it felt like it was like surviving, you know, it was like, how do I, how do I survive? How do I make friends? Okay, well, I guess this part of me will come out, you know, it all felt like parts of myself, but there were so many different parts because I was from this multicultural, multi-ethnic background. And so it's like, okay, with this group, I'll let this out, but I won't let this out. With that group, I'll, and I have so much compassion for that little girl because I, for me, my form, you know, that former version of myself, because I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be liked. I just wanted to do well. I just wanted, you know, and, and now as an adult, I feel like there are that sort of hyper awareness, that sort of like like internal vigilance, feeling like I needed to be a certain way in order to be accepted, like all of that has made me more sensitive, I think, and more observant of different things in the world. And my musical space, my creative space has given me an outlet through which to like channel <laughs> those observations, those feelings, those reflections, and share them. And so I think when I, in my early days of songwriting, I, I often would, you know, speak to issues that I was observing outside of myself or that I was finding that were happening in the world that I was coming across through my work as, as a young teaching artist at the time, which my teaching artistry and that career started through Carnegie Hall and, and through their Wild Music Institute, their outreach division. I was teaching privately prior to that point but I didn't start teaching in, in carceral settings and prisons, for instance, or through their lullaby project or working with young people in New York City until, until about 12 years ago. And so that the start of that career, coupled with the start of my band and my original music, 
really starting to, to share that with the world really impacted what I was writing and what I was sharing. And I was kind of just trying to like honestly reflect my own perception with definitely some tone <laughs> and some message and opinion, right? Yeah. I, th- I don't think it's possible, you know, to not reflect my your opinion or your bias ever you know, to be completely objective is like to not be human, I think. <laughs> um, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, you asked about specific, specific social issues or spaces, you know, issues around be- being, being from the United States of America, you know, issues around mass incarceration. After I started working in carceral settings, something that, that I feel, I feel very close to, I feel very passionate about the United States has one of the highest percentages of, a, of our population behind bars of any country in the world, which is, you know, it's not something I'm proud of. It's not something I, I want to be a part of. And it, it's hard. I work, I work in prisons. I teach music, you know, there and I share music and have community with, with folks, with humans that are some of the best people I've ever met in my life. Some of the most aware, intelligent people I've ever met in my life. And I feel very privileged to be able to work in those environments. And I feel like one of my responsibilities as as a songwriter who is not incarcerated, who lives on the art outside, and something I feel naturally moved toward too, is to to speak to that experience and to to humanize that, to humanize the people who are there. <laughs> and, you know, at times too, to like perform their music, <laughs> which I've done, which, and I'm such a fan of so many of, of the folks that I've been privileged to, to teach and to work with in those, in those, those carceral prison settings. So that's an issue that's, that's very close to me. Also gender, you know, gender equity and imagining what that can look like specifically through a black feminist lens, really pushing back against the, the old patriarchal models that that kind of surround us at every turn <laughs> in our world. <laughs> and in an effort to really imagine like, what, what could this look like if it didn't have a hierarchy? What could this look like if we didn't put that term composer up on a pedestal and songwriter here? Like, what could it look like if we if we were more collaborative? And, you know, it, all of these things are questions that really come from my, my more recent studies in the past six years or so of black feminist thought and theory. So, you know, texts like the Kambahi River Collective Statement, you know, people like Demita Frazier or Bell Hooks or Audre Lorde, or, you know, these are, these are people that are becoming real, you know, inspirations and influencers for, for me in the good way, influencer, right? That word is so, so convoluted, but like really impacting me in the real world in big ways, because I think that they're brilliant and there's so much, there are new models to learn from, from them. And so I think that that absolutely comes through. There's one song in particular on my new record, Malva, that is a tribute song essentially to to all the black women, black women specifically, but also more generally women of color in my life who have impacted me and influenced me and helped me to form my identity and who who I feel I am today. Yeah, those are some. And then just the third kind of bucket, you know, that that I want that I feel moved to speak toward is just is more a more spiritual. It's not about social issues, but it is kind of about a social issue, because I think that, 
this absence of, of reflective space, sort of what we were speaking about earlier in relationship to young people, you know, having to like decide like, hey, what are you going to do at age 18? And then going to college and spending all this money and going into debt. And, you know, there are all of these, these models and these systems that we don't necessarily question. Some people do, but oftentimes we don't, I don't, I'm just kind of going through the motions. And so in the spirit of kind of that black feminist imagination and imagining like, how could it be different? I try to model for myself the cultivation of a spiritual space that is honest, that is open, and that I can share through my music and through my creativity. So you think you saw some of that at the Smithsonian, you know, yeah. if I'm up there and I'm just present in my body, mind, and spirit, and I'm just sharing honestly, then I'm present there with you. And I, I don't have, there's no regret. <laughs> you know, there, there might be a flub or like a mess up or something might happen. That's not planned, but just like, like pra the practice of sharing myself honestly and being as present in the moment as possible has allowed me to communicate with my audiences in such a deeper way and really and to be so much I, less. That's what I felt as well, that, you know, you were mm -hmm. talking, it feels like you are talking to every single individual in the audience. So you're communicating mm -hmm. with everyone individually because mm -hmm. of, because of your, there's something about, your presence on stage and maybe because it was like a very intimate setting you feel it even more but mm -hmm. I think clearly you you do have the and it comes naturally that that it's not something that you because you know if it's something that you have you're trying to cultivate or you're making an effort with it would come through but it it absolutely did not it feels like you know you're kind of bear, bearing your soul to for example me as a part of the audience and I'm sure every single person in that audience would probably have felt the same as I did because you you were able to reach out to me through your words and your music and I think that is what really that was something that not encouraged me, but I just therefore wanted to come up to you and say, hey, will you talk to me on my show, Sarah? Because, you know, I if I had felt an awkwardness or if I had felt that you were not approachable, I would have probably just stepped back or maybe not because I just walked up to anybody and talk to anybody so I may not have done that but it's it's just the fact that you were so approachable and so welcoming and so warm and you were talking to anybody who came up to you you had that same energy and that's what I think makes it special and makes you different I so appreciate you reflecting that yeah I think I really appreciate that. Thank you, Paul. I, I, and I'm so glad that you came, that you came up to me and that, you know, the kid, the kids that were there, some of the kids who are musicians or music students came up to me and that other people who are, you know, it's, that's one of the reasons, the biggest reasons why I, why I enjoy performing and releasing my music. I want to connect with people, but I think, that, and I think that a former version of myself wanted to do that even at the expense of myself, if that makes sense. So it was, so I was, I was kind of stuck in this like self-critical loop 
like hyper aware loop for a really long time up until about five or six years ago. And I, I think that what shifted and what, what I feel moved to, you know, share as this kind of, this new record blank canvas is really, I, I shared this at the show that you, that you attended at the Smithsonian, but it's really about the idea that we can at any point in time decide to start over as human beings. Like I can say in this moment, I can say like, ooh, I was just distracted by this bird flying by the window. Like, okay, let me let me come back here and I'll be here with you. You know, I can I can do that. I can make that choice for myself. And it really is for myself, right? It's like that choice to be present, that choice to be reflective, that choice to share honestly is, you know, sometimes I think we think, I used to think that it was for other people. Like, oh, I'm doing this for you. But in reality, it's not. I'm doing it for me and for my health and for my peace. And if a byproduct of that is that it resonates with someone else and then they share with me and then we have good connection and then, you know, like what's happening with us or what's happened with us, it's very, that's what it's all about. Like, why else am I here? <laughs> you know, it's so, it can be so beautiful. And so that seeing that possibility and opening, you know, letting go of any preconceived ideas or expectations I might have in my like little human brain and like allowing space for other options is like a head has been something that originally originated in my spiritual space, which I used to keep my more separate from my creative space. And now is just pouring into my music and my creative space. And it's really cool because it's, it's really opened me up to judging less. It's opened me up to like, okay, yes, I've, I'm, I'm trained in jazz. I've sung jazz and black American music for a lot of my life. And I love it. And that's my foundation, but what sounds come out of me today? Maybe it's something completely different, you know? And these new projects that I'm going to be releasing in the coming years are like a testament to that. <laughs> There's totally new, totally different, totally out of the box and just, just so sounds that are coming out naturally now. And it's because I'm leaving myself alone and I'm just letting myself be. And I want to, I'm giving myself the space to like, to share honestly and room for those possibilities to like creep through that don't necessarily come from me and come from the music, come from somewhere else, you know, this idea of faith. So this you're idea evolving of... as a person and your music is also evolving along with you. I think that's really what it is. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's the only way I plan to do this for the rest of my life. And so I, you know, I, or I hope to, I do plan to, my human brain is like, yes, that is the plan. I hope to. And in some way or another, I don't know what that will look like at different points, but in order to do that, I feel like I that what you just said has to be the case. It has to, as I continue to evolve and grow, so does my music and so does the sound of it. Um, and so, you know, if I'm that, if I'm the artist who people are like, oh, can't quite put our finger on Sarah, can't quite put her in a box, can't quite, then if that's what that means, then okay, that's, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and I also am, you know, I'm, I'm willing to ask for the willingness to accept that that might that that will mean inevitably that some I won't be everybody's cup of tea or some people you know for that oversharing for some people you know sharing on stage for instance about my miscarriage or you know how often do women have the space to do that and so instead of waiting for somebody to give it to me I'm trying to just take that and share honestly because it feels good to me when someone says how are you to be able to say you know actually I'm not great I'm moving through a miscarriage at this moment when you know I don't know how that's going to make that other person feel but you asked me how I am and that's my honest, you know, answer. <laughs> and that's a loss like any other loss. 
and that's a loss that's about you know the creation of life in in this world it's about and has to do with the reason and the mechanism via which we're all here that's a really that's a really important thing to leave space for and if you feel comfortable to take to take space to share about I think so anyway I'll stop (laughs) and that's what makes you different as compared to you know a lot of the other musicians or other people I mean as a person it yes music but other than that as well makes you different because you are so open about sharing and and it's it's a it's a healing process as well for you and and I think no absolutely I believe that you have to be you and be honest to yourself and not try and pretend to be someone else just because you know yeah and and I think yeah, no, and and no, absolutely. And I can see that you're going to go really far with this. You already are doing so well. And, and this kind of thinking is, and this kind of openness is only going to make you get more and more evolved as a person as and and as a human being and that will reflect in your music always I'm pretty certain of that so before I let you go Sarah because I mean I could this is like we're chatting and I could continue Um, (laughs) but I wonder if you would I did mention in in my email and you know would you like to just a, a minute or so just sing for anything that comes to mind or anything that you feel like you'd like to share with the audience would be great. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that part of your email. <laughs> okay, so you know what comes up? I'm just not even going to question it. What comes up is this, this song on Blank Canvas. It's actually the last song on the record. It's called The Message. And you may or may not hear, it's funny, my child, he's running around making noises above me. I can't hear him at all. (laughs) I love it. Well, I can, so I'm going to channel his energy into this moment. But it's it's a song called The Message, and it's, you might construe the the lyrics about, that the lyrics are about, or you might misconstrue that the lyrics are about, I can play again. There's the chorus is, I will find my way home. I will find my way home. I will find my way home back to you. And so the entire song is about, is not about like a love or finding, you know, my way home back to you, <laughs> you know, someone else. It's like my way home back to you, yeah. back to your true self, your your peaceful essence, your whatever you might want to call it or however you might think about it. Um, because sometimes I can get lost a little bit. So this song is all about tuning into that internal part of myself that that I already have in me. That, that loves me, that thinks I'm enough, that, yeah, and that's guiding me if I let it. So yeah, it's early here, so I don't know what it's gonna sound like, but here we go. <laughs> Ego. <laughs> There's a message inside. There's a voice that lay in a soul. 
as a reason I try to ignore its word and withdraw. Take time to pause, reason the cause, listen for what I should do. Space I don't know, chances to grow, found when I look beyond you. Walking through the world blind, gliding through the day half alone, finding so much more in this present space of my own. Take time to pause, reason the cause, listen for what I should do. Space I don't know, chances to grow, found when I look beyond you. I will find my way home, I will find my way home. I will find my way home back to you. I will find my way home. I will find my way home. I will find my way home back to you. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure the people who will eventually be listening into this conversation will love it as well. It's been a privilege and a pleasure talking to you. And I hope we continue to stay connected. And your, your music truly is inspiring. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me and for, for leaving space and for sharing yourself as well. I really appreciate you. Thank you. You have a beautiful day. And how long are you going to be in Michigan for? I'm here until the 10th of August. So nice. it's a, it's a, nice. yeah, a good little stretch. Good break. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. enjoy, enjoy your break and uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, pal. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. For more weekly conversations, do listen to Melting Pot on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Follow us on YouTube and on Instagram at Podcast Melting Pot. So until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.